Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 422. You know, everybody has SOPs for absolutely everything. You know, how you're supposed to season your french fries or what varnish is supposed to go on this plate or what temperature you should cook that steak to. But there's really no SOP for, wow, what should I do when somebody comes up and tells me that, you know, they were called this racist slur or that they knew that their uh, manager is, is taking from the cash deposits. You know, there's no SOP for that. So to have one in place is really important. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months Free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Juliet Gus. Juliet, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. Actually, New Year's Eve is my favorite holiday, and so we're only two days away, and I'm very excited. Awesome. Feeling good about the new year. It's going to be a, a good new year. I have a good feeling it will be. And uh, Juliet Gus has led over 1,300 investigations spanning 74 countries and advised on close to 10,000 whistleblower reports. She is a former PWC regulatory forensic and hospitality leisure advisor service manager and later developed and served as the director of global fraud and investigations team and project manager of the anti-corruption compliance program for Starwood hotels and resorts worldwide. Julia also spent 15 years in industry operations from the line positions to operations manager and general manager in high volume hotels, casino hotels, uh, convention centers and restaurants in top us tourism destinations and i have a confession we just had to re-record this because i could i was struggling so hard getting all that out oh <laughs> uh, your your resume is impressive and you've had some really uh heavy hitting titles there i can't wait to dive into today's topic but before we do juliet let's just get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you got for us well, the last couple of years, I think my favorite success quote is um, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. I think that quote is um, attributed to a military leader, but it can apply to any organization, whether it's large or small, because it perfectly describes how important the tone at the top is for any business. For in a restaurant, for example, 
um, what culture does the owner or manager or operator develop and foster? Do they have a code of conduct? What's expected and enforced from that code of conduct? Um, like, for example, if a GM hears somebody in the kitchen say something inappropriate, do they stop and address it immediately or maybe take time later to talk about it privately? Or do they just walk by and ignore it because they have something they consider more important to do? That That's what I mean by the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Oh, I love it. And absolutely one of the biggest lessons I've learned in all these interviews is that behind every great restaurant is a great person. You must become a great person before you can ever do something great. You must be before you can do. And nobody's ever going to raise themselves above wherever you're at. So if you want to be uh, or if you want to be the owner of an outstanding restaurant, you need to be outstanding and you, nobody will ever exceed the the level of intensity that you bring, right? Um, or just the level, the level of morality that you bring. So you really set that tone. You really do set that pace. I think that's a great way to get today's conversation started. Do you want to reflect on what I just said? No, I agree with you. It's, it's perfect. It's exactly right. That's the tone that's set and that's the tone that um, everyone that works with you will follow. And I think as a leader, you really have um, a duty to provide the tone that, that um, allows everybody to work somewhere where they're comfortable and happy. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, so basically what to do when somebody is sexually harassed or there's fraudulent issues in your restaurants. Uh, last week, we had Kate Edwards on the show, and she brought up the topic of hashtag me too. Uh, and it's great. I think it's really amazing that women are increasingly becoming more comfortable in speaking out and speaking up and defending themselves and feeling like they're empowered to do so. Uh, but what do you do uh, when somebody is harassing you? Uh, what, what, like we came to a conclusion during that conversation that the thing to do is to let it be known that that behavior is not acceptable. Like you speak up, but what happens if it continue, continues? Like what's the process you should take when it continues? And if you're an employer, and your employees are being harassed and they're coming to you, what's the process you take to handle that situation? Uh, that's what we're here to talk about today. But before we dive into that topic and really, uh, you know, before Juliet pours her advice out to us, I want to find out what makes you uh, an authority on this topic. I kind of provided the introduction, but let's dive into who you are and what makes you an authority on this topic. Sure, Eric. Um, you did cover a lot of it. I, I think the years of experience have helped a lot. Um, as you mentioned, I've reviewed or what we call triage more than 10,000 whistleblower reports, and they covered a huge range of issues, right? It could have been uh, maybe a conflict of interest allegation or somebody uh, alleging fraud, some sort of misconduct like sexual harassment that you mentioned. It could be theft or corruption, um, so, you know, I, I've really seen it, and the majority of those were in the hospitality industry. So I've been able to see from beginning to end, hey, this is a report that came in. This is what um, was done about it, and this is how it was resolved. And sometimes that went wrong. So I learned a lot from um, both my mistakes and other people's mistakes. Um, but over time and certainly over volume, I learned, you know, what really does work. Um, and what works across cultures, which is important, too. I think you mentioned that I've um, worked on investigations that came up from 74 different countries. And so the way to handle allegations could really differ depending on the person that's making the complaint or the culture that they're used to working. And you can't always respond to somebody in the same manner because, you know, what might be acceptable for somebody from North America, for example, might be really offensive for somebody um, from another country. Mm. So those are the lessons that I kind of learned over the past, you know, not just 
10 years or so. But as you mentioned, I spent 15 in hospitality as, you know, everywhere from a, a buster to a server to a hostess to a GM to a multi-unit GM. So I've seen quite a bit. Yeah, it, and um, you make a good point that it's really not uh, black and white. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of variables that play or that come into play here, and you can't just force everybody into the same mold. Um, so it does get a little dicey when trying to figure out the best way to to handle uh, these situations. Um, so I guess let's kind of just dive into the first topic. Um, and I'm assuming most of the people that are listening to this podcast are restaurant owners or managers. So we won't spend a lot of time here, but what happens if you are an employee, if you're on the come up, right. And you're a line employee, um, or maybe like a supervisor, uh, and you're being sexually harassed. Um, what, what, after you've let it be known, because we've kind of already established that, that once, you feel like you're being harassed. You need to let it be known that that behavior is not acceptable and you communicate that. Right. Um, and if it continues, what's the, what's the series of events you should take, uh, to kind of, I guess, protect yourself. Well, I, the key thing is to take some action, right? Don't just, um, you know, be miserable or maybe some people decide that they want to leave their employer because of something that's going on, you know, during their shift. So the key thing is really to do something about it. As you mentioned, the first thing that you would do is tell the person directly. And if they continue, um, you know, years ago, employers used to have codes of conduct that would say something like, if you want to report something, talk to your supervisor or call this number. But now a lot of companies are saying, you have to report it. You must report it. And that's a huge cultural shift. And I think it's a much needed one because it not only tells the employee, hey, it's okay to say something, um, but not only is it okay, you're expected to do it or you might face some consequences. And that goes back to the tone at the top. You can tell your employees if something's going on, I want to know about it. I want to help you. I want to fix it. Um, and so, like I said, the important thing is to try and do something. As far as how you can report it, it really depends. You know, there are some really small organizations, small businesses. There are some bigger businesses that have maybe an HR function or a legal function. But the the really critical thing is to provide your employees with um, first the support that, hey, I want you to say something like I mentioned. And second, a number of different options. So it could be as simple as, look, there's a suggestion box in the break room. But as long as there's some way for them to be able to tell maybe the highest level in the organization, be that uh, the owner or maybe the general manager uh, or somebody outside of the circle that might be the person that they're afraid of, then that's really the best way to go. So one of the options could be, look, if something's wrong, you could talk directly to your supervisor. If you're not comfortable doing that, or if it's your supervisor that you have a complaint about, then you can go to HR. If there's no HR, then you can offer something like the anonymous reporting site that, um, that my company developed where people can report something anonymously and we get that message to the highest level we can find in the business. Yeah. And I did, uh, I did realize as we were getting into this, that I didn't even mention that you're a co-founder of the ethics uh, which basically provides the, the framework to allow people to report uh, fraudulent issues or harassment. Uh, what's the word? Um, anonymously. 
Uh, so you're creating that framework to to give people a voice to speak up. If say, because uh, it sounds like what you're saying is we need to create standard operating procedures around this. Uh, you need to let it be known that if this happens, uh, this is what you need to do, and it's not optional. Like you need to report this stuff, and that could be creating a suggestion box and knowing letting people know to, to put your uh, reports in there, or having an X manager to go to, or uh, it level or leverage a, a platform like Ethics Suite dot com where you can um just set that up and let it sit there and wait for uh people to basically report these things that's right what we hope to do is provide the easiest possible way for someone to report any concerns or suspicions that they might have about them you know somebody in their workplace to the authority that can fix it um you know it's quick it's easy it takes a couple minutes to fill out um, it's free, it's secure, it's confidential. You can log back in if you want to. Like you get a um, what we call a unique pin. So you don't have to give any kind of personal information, but you can use this, this pin that we give you to log back in and answer questions if you want or provide more information later on. So you can always kind of follow up on your case if, if you want to call it that. So to- um, but the, the thing is to provide some sort of communication channel, whatever that might be. So the the answer to the question is what do employees do when they're experiencing uh, fraudulent situations or sexual harassment? That is uh, report it, uh, but that is dependent on what the business owner creates for standard operating pr- procedures. So it's really up to the owners to create that framework, to create that infrastructure, to be able to report these things anonymously, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next, which is what's that process for employers when their employees are reporting fraudulent behavior. So what do we do? How do we react to that? Um, That's a good question. And in my uh, experience, I mean, I've talked to hundreds of GMs, hundreds of managers, HR um, professionals, and everyone struggles with this. This is really where they struggle. You know, if you are a, a restaurant owner or chef or even a front of house supervisor, you really kind of dread the moment where someone comes up and says, can I talk to you privately? I mean, it's, it's um, a little bit nerve wracking and some people have no idea what to do. Very good at it. You know, they're empathetic. They want to hear it. They want to try and help. And they're not nervous about getting involved in some sort of kind of problematic situation, but some people aren't. And some would really not rather hear about it at all. Um, you know, I talk to people that say, look, I, I just don't want to know. But the, that kind of head-in-the-sand approach is really a great mistake because um, from what I've seen and learned, it's a lot better to know about a problem and handle it before it becomes a huge problem or before it becomes a lawsuit or before it becomes, you know, kind of splashed on social media, mm. which is what we saw a lot of this year, problems that festered for a long time and then they blew up. Yeah. Um, you actually provided me a little article uh which lists eight things not to do things you shouldn't do when you encounter fraudulent issues or sexual harassment. Um, so why don't we go through those eight things not to do if somebody approaches you and says, Hey, I want to report uh, this m- misconduct. What are the eight things you should not do? Okay. Uh, I think the most, most important one is not to ignore the report. Um, as I just mentioned, some of those problems fester And if you don't do anything about it, they can really blow up. Um, We also talked a little bit earlier about um, how employees can report. And I think the really key thing is no one expects a perfect solution or a perfect SOP. They just want to be heard. 
they just want to know that you tried and that you care. So ignoring the report really kind of starts you off on a bad foot with your employee. Um, the second thing that is important not to do is to judge that reporter or the reporter. Um, you know, I, I wrote one article in our blog. It's called, um, you know, tonight's special. It's about discrimination and retaliation and how some people really kind of want to um, use their, their, they fall on their own biases to say, Oh, come on. You're just a crybaby, Or I know that didn't happen. I know that person that would never happen. So, so judging immediately is really a big mistake because you never know um, how that situation might turn out and how that might kind of bite you later. Awesome. So the first thing, um, don't ignore the report. Second thing, don't judge, uh, stay unbiased and really try to be open-minded. What's the third thing we shouldn't do or things we, we don't want to do? You know, one thing I see people get really afraid of is they think they're going to be blamed. So, for example, um, you know, maybe an employee, there's a, one here locally in, in my town, there was a restaurant that was a great restaurant, you know, had been open for more than seven years. And there were two waiters who complained to a supervisor that they were being called uh, some, some slurs. And the supervisor ignored them and didn't tell anyone. And then those employees went to the EEOC and, and a couple of months later, that restaurant closed down. So I think one mistake managers make is they think they're going to be blamed. Oh, I, I don't want to tell the owner. I don't want to tell the GM because they might say it's my fault. Um, everyone feels like, Oh, I can't believe this happened on my watch, but fraud and misconduct, these things happen to anybody, even the most talented people. One of the reasons I actually, I think I'm the only restaurateur turned forensic accountant is because a lot of these things happened to me. So um, they taught me a lot and I found the process of investigating them fascinating. And I wanted to kind of further that into a a second career, but these things happen. They happen to good people. Mm. Um, And you can't assume that just because it happened on your watch makes it your fault. So don't assume you'll get the blame. Don't judge. Stay unbiased. Uh, don't ignore the report, take action as soon as possible. What are some of the other things uh, we don't want to do? We don't want to gossip about it. That's a really tough one. I think you'd agree in a restaurant. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a super family atmosphere. Everybody talks, but gossiping about these issues can have a, a, a real detrimental effect on, on the team dynamics and on team morale, especially when you don't really know what happened yet. All you have is an allegation. So, you know, kind of going around and saying, hey, I heard this about so-and-so, what do you think? That's something that should be done, but in a much more controlled environment and, and later after you've done a little bit of digging. Okay, anything else we should be not doing? We should not confront the person right away. I know there's some people, in, including me when I was younger and more hot-headed, <laughs> that you'd kind of walk right up to the person. I, I heard this about you. I can't believe you did that. Um, and that's not fair, you know. I've found most people really report things in good faith. They don't make stuff up, right? And, and there are a few that do, um, but really most of them don't. So to go and confront the accused, I'll call them, without really doing your, um, your due diligence on the issue and doing your investigation is really not fair to them. It makes them uncomfortable. You know, they're not sure, hey, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow when I come into work? And at the, at immediately after hearing about an allegation, it's really not necessary to put people in those uncomfortable situations quite yet. Um, which would lead me to the next thing, which is to assume that their immediate supervisor will handle the issue. That could be a problem, too, because maybe the supervisor is involved or maybe the supervisor will be the one thinking, oh, I'm going to be to blame. So I just want to bury this before it 
before it gets bigger or before I'm found out. All right, so I'm counting eight items we don't want to uh, take. Are there any more that come to your mind? Or sorry, six items out of the eight. Can you remember all eight of these? If you can, I'm really impressed. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> and I really believe these things. So I, I wrote that just kind of from uh, my stream of consciousness. But but I'll admit I'm prepared and I have it right in front of me. So Okay, go for it. Uh, I thought you might ask about this. Uh, the seventh one I have is don't fail to take action. You, you have to do something. You can't just say, ah, you know, this will blow over. It really doesn't. Whether it's a harassment allegation or whether it's uh, an allegation about fraud or theft, you know, these are serious issues and they can cost a business a lot of money. Not just in, you know, for example, an inventory tow fridge or maybe there's vendor kickbacks that are costing your, your cost of goods go up because you're paying too much money for a product that someone's getting a kickback for purchasing or, um, you know, maybe it's a, um, some other kind of conflict of interest, like your manager owns a business on the side and is using the goods that are in inventory to supply that business. So failing to take action could, could really hurt you because you won't know whether the allegation is true or not and the impact that it could be having on your business, especially for a small restaurant. I mean, you mentioned I, I did work for a global hotel company, so huge company, but those individual hotels or restaurants were owned by, by people, by uh, individual owners. And for a small business, let's say, you know, a $10,000 a year theft could really make or break them. So it's important to definitely investigate. And then the last thing was not to retaliate. This is the biggest fear that people have and, and why it's necessary to provide some sort of anonymous forum for them to talk is, you know, people think, hey, I, I can't lose my job or I don't want to report something and then find that I went from working Saturday night, my you know $300 shift to Monday lunch, my $30 shift. You know, those things really do happen and I can say they've happened to me and I know they've happened to people that, that I've worked with in the past. So retaliation is definitely something that not only should the owner not do, but they should make it clear to their managers that that's not to be done either. Awesome. I think that covers all eight. Eric. Yeah, those are. I got eight right here. I got a list of eight, and uh, I don't think we need to dive through them again. Um, but also, like, what? Just to summarize, what to do uh, when this happens? What do we need to do um, when somebody comes to us with an issue like this? Well, we have to be objective, right? And we have to be fair and we have to be thorough. You know, I, I mentioned about, uh, you know, trying to remain free from bias. Everybody has them. Um, like, for example, I've been harassed in the past. So when someone comes to me with a complaint about harassment, I feel really bad for them. But I don't say, oh, let's go get that guy fired. You know, we, we have to investigate and make sure that it's true or maybe there were no misunderstandings or maybe it's um, a one-time thing that's coachable. Or is it really a pervasive problem that could lead to bigger problems? Um, fair, of course, to everybody, both the accused and the accuser. And then thorough. You know, you can't um, just go up to somebody and say, hey, did you do this? And, of course, they're going to say no. Um, you have to kind of do your homework and look through everything that you can and talk to other people to see if, um, if those allegations are true or not. The second thing you should really do is keep your eye on the ball. And that's one of the things that goes with not gossiping. Make sure that everybody stays focused on the business because that's harmful too. If you're starting, you know, a, a dinner shift and at 3 p.m. there was kind of a, a, a pre-shift meeting where people were talking about uncomfortable issues, that might carry across through to your guests. So you want to make sure you handle these things privately, handle them, you know, off hours if you have to unless it's a crisis and make sure that you keep your eye on the ball. Um, yeah. And then finally, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Go. I'll wait. 
I was going to say the, the third most important thing to do is learn from it. Mm. So if you have some sort of fraud or theft, what kind of controls should you put in place to make sure that it doesn't happen again? You know, make sure that uh, people are trained properly if it's a training issue or learn, you know, hey, we came across this. Maybe it's a, a harassment related issue because we didn't train people enough or we didn't keep our eye on what was going on on the floor. So learn from what happened instead of kind of really um, dreading it or being upset that it happened. Just learn from it so that, you know, going forward, it won't happen to you again. Yeah, and uh, I just want to add, um, right now we're talking about the things you should do when this happens, but really the action should take place before it ever happens. And that starts with, you know, really uh, setting those values in place, having that culture set in place where uh, you don't accept it in the first place and really letting it be known that you don't accept that behavior and, you know, committing to those core values and making, like, holding people accountable to those core values and then be even beyond core values. Uh, protocol uh are you creating protocol for like the situations like this so when it happens your team is enabled with the tools and resources to do the right thing so there is no question um so it flows so it's taken care of immediately uh, on both ends the employee and the employer and managers know like this is when this happens then this is what we need to do about it and then you just take care of it and that happens on day one before you even ever, ever open your doors do you want to reflect on that that's absolutely right. You can come work with me anytime. That's perfect. <laughs> I think you, you, you covered everything. It's exactly yeah. what should happen. If it's not unexpected, if it's not something completely new, then nobody gets nervous about it. You know, everybody has SOPs for absolutely everything. You know, how you're supposed to season your french fries or what varnish is supposed to go on this plate or what temperature you should cook that steak to. But there's really no SOP for, wow, what should I do when somebody comes up and tells me that, you know, they were called this racist slur or that they knew that their uh, manager is, is taking from the cash deposits. You know, there's no SOP for that. So to have one in place is really important. And some people think, well, if I allow my employees to have some sort of forum to talk about these things, then I'm just going to get bombarded with a bunch of crybabies. But it's actually the opposite effect. It has a bit of a deterrent um, effect because people know, wow, you know, if, if I'm seen doing something, then someone might talk about it. Yeah, so I just won't do it. You had mentioned um, two, uh, we, we both mentioned earlier. Sorry, I just got really distracted because my microphone just like turned on its own, and it, I don't know how that's <laughs> happening. Sorry, I get I have like the worst ADD. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, we brought up the ethics suite, right? Um, and I'm I'm curious on what that flow looks like, and I'm sure some of my listeners are curious too because we talked about the importance of setting up those those SOPs, the protocols. Um, so. If they were to leverage this platform, what would the process process look like on your end? Like, what's the flow look like? But before you take us through that flow, let's take a break to thank our sponsors. All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage 
leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to GetBento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like this foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. We're back and we're just talking about how we should set up processes to support our employees uh, when these fraudulent issues or har- harassment comes up. So if we were going to use Ethics Suites, what would that process look like using that platform? Well, the first thing that someone would need to do is let their employees know they have it. Hey, look, I, I subscribe to this platform. It's really easy for you to, to use. Um, we actually provide our subscribers with posters so they can put them you know, I don't know, maybe by the roll-up bin or the break room or wherever is comfortable and they know their employees are going to see it. You know, and it says, hey, you know, if you have something to say, you can go to this website. Um, and the website's accessible from, from any device. All you need is, is Wi-Fi. Um, so you can go to restaurantethics.com, fill out your report. Um, there's just a few questions, six or seven questions. You know, why are you writing? Where are you writing about? What's the name of the place? Where is it located? Um, who's the person that you want to talk about? And, you know, is there a dollar amount involved, for example, if it's a a theft or fraud allegation? Um, It also asks if you're a a customer or a vendor, because we do see reports from vendors um, and from customers. We we state pretty clearly for customers that, look, this isn't Yelp and we're not looking for performance type issues. So, you know, if your steak was cold, this really isn't the the forum for you. We're specifically looking for um, ethics related issues misconduct after fraud. Uh, and then they, they submit that report. Like I mentioned before, you get a pin, you can check back in and see if anybody has any questions for you without, without giving your name or contact info. Um, and then what the platform does is for the, the subscriber, I'll call them the, let's say the restaurant owner decides to subscribe. They have a web-based um, back office kind of software that they can access from their phone as well or from anywhere. And they can log in. It's called My Ethics Suite. And once the report comes in, 
we release it to the person that's designated for that particular business because we, we certainly don't want to give it to anybody. We want to know the right person to send it to. Um, and what we recommend is for it to be the highest person available in the organization. And if it's about them, they should provide another name um, that we can send a report to. So they can, we release it to them. And once we do that, we completely lose sight of it. So we get the report, we give it to them, and it remains secure and confidential for them so that they can add stuff to it without thinking, you know, is anybody else going to be looking at how we resolve this? So um, they can log in, they can look at the report, they can look at all their reports, you know, on a historical basis. Hey, look, I got 20 this year, I got 50 this year. Um, and they can see the type of allegations that it was. If they want to run any analytics, they can say, uh, oh, look, I've had, you know, 14 allegations about uh, Juliet. I wonder if there's a problem with her. Maybe I should go kind of dig deeper and talk to some people and talk to her and see if there's an issue there. Um, they can also upload documents. So, for example, if, it's really important, I think, if you have to defend yourself, uh, let's say there's some sort of lawsuit or, or litigation ensuing, you can defend yourself and say, hey, look, I received this report on January 28th. I responded to the reporter on January 29th. On February 2nd, I interviewed these three people. My interview notes are uploaded on this platform. Um, and then here I've documented the steps that I took. Um, we maybe we terminated somebody or maybe we gave them a written warning or maybe we gave them a verbal warning, but all of these things are documented on that platform. And so you can show at any point in time, look, I did something about this. I did get this report and I did do something about it. I talked to a lot of um, employment lawyers um, in my work in the past and lately, and they have told me that that's one of the most difficult things for them when they're asked to defend someone in court on, let's say, for a harassment allegation is they say, you know, there's just there's nothing I can show that proves they did something. And they really did do something. They talked to somebody maybe in the back of the house um, or, you know, quietly in the walk-in freezer. And then they, they talked to somebody else about the issue and then they handled the issue, but they never wrote this down. They never documented it. So it's very hard to prove what steps they took to solve the issue. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, it does. Uh, I got a couple more things I'm just curious about. I think one thing that makes this platform really valuable is that you can remain anonymous because you sent me um, one of your blog posts and there was a, a stat in there that more than one in five workers who reported misconduct said they suffered retribution as a result. Uh, you know, they're, they're treated differently because of it afterwards. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? I think you're right. We mentioned it a little bit earlier about when we talked about retaliation. Yeah. People are really afraid that they retaliated against for mentioning something, especially if the person that they're complaining about is their supervisor. So let's say, um, you know, maybe I'm a bartender and I'm concerned about that my supervisor is, is maybe taking cash from the cash deposits. And so if I say something about it, what if no one believes me? And then what do I do, right? This is my supervisor. They schedule my shifts. They really have a, a, a big impact on my income and I can't afford to lose my job or, you know, everybody's in a different situation. And I think some people are kind of more able and willing to take that risk and name themselves, but others really can't afford to do that. Yeah. So allowing them, you know, some sort of anonymous forum helps you learn about an issue, but also helps them feel safe. One other thing that comes to mind when I think of anonymous or being anonymous, I mean, eventually I feel like if there is a serious issue and somebody does report something and you do uh, go into 
to, uh, I guess, what's the word, uh, investigate the situation, whoever reported it's going to have to come out of the, the woodwork eventually, right? If you're going to, if you're really to get both sides of the story, like it, it can, they, can well, they stay truly? I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know this very well, then that's why you're here. How does that work? Yeah, not necessarily. Sometimes they want to. Sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll, for example, that's why we provide that kind of chat function within the platform is you can send a message to the reporter and you can say, hey, look, uh, I'm re- I really appreciate that you sent this. And actually, you should send a message mm-hmm. that says, thank you for reporting this. I, I take these things seriously. I really appreciate it. But then you can follow up. You can say, I have some questions. If I, you know, if I promise that I'm not going to, you know, talk about you to the person that you implicated, will you talk to me directly? Can I call you on the phone or can you call me? And they might say, yes, that happens quite a bit. People say, sure, I'll talk to you. Um, But others still don't want to name themselves, but they'll answer the questions within that tool. So they can go back, follow up on their report, and they can answer any question that's posed to them. Interesting. Uh, The one other thing that I wanted to kind of bring up to not necessarily uh, oppose what you're trying to create, but more just my curiosity in general, like maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here. Um, there's a lot of conversation around sure. uh, the idea of younger generations increasingly struggling to deal with confrontation, right? Face to face, social and emotional intelligence, right? Dealing with people. Um, because we're so like our faces are always in computer screens. Like we, we just don't know how to deal with people as good as we used to. Right. And in, in general, collectively. So do you see this resource being one other uh, tool that will help us or I guess inhibit us from remaining humane and being able to confront somebody when something's going wrong saying, Hey, don't talk to me like that. Like I do not, you make me feel uncomfortable and I just, it's not welcomed. Um, are we creating tools to, I guess, prohibit that kind of normal behavior where you should just speak up and, and, you know, have those social skills? That's a really good question. Um, there've been some studies on it. I know there were some from different universities and I think the misconception is that if you allow people to talk about something not face to face, then they'll never talk about it face to face, but that's really not true. Most people will talk about smaller or I don't want to say trivial, but, certainly smaller issues that aren't that serious, they, they still talk about them face-to-face. They still go right to their supervisor and, and talk about, you know, um, hey, I didn't get the shift that I wanted or maybe so-and-so isn't, isn't carrying their weight on the floor. But if it's a really serious issue, these are the ones that I want to focus on, the really most uncomfortable ones, the ones that make people afraid. Mm. For example, maybe there's somebody that you work with that is um, – Uh, got a substance abuse problem and you're worried that they're getting violent or maybe there's somebody that's um, selling drugs and there's a underage person working in the, in the restaurant, maybe a a 16 year old host who they're selling it to. Or maybe, like I said before, maybe it's a harassment issue, but it's your boss. And so you're totally afraid of losing your job. Just like all the, um, the allegations I think that we've heard in restaurants today is some people will are happy to talk about any, almost any issue, but some of them really make people uncomfortable. And I think when, when we read things like, um, I was going to mention earlier, I won't name any names, but one of the allegations at a, a very popular restaurant where the owner uh, has had to step aside and was accused of sexual harassment, the restaurant has a female chef. And one of the allegations made was that some women tried to talk to that chef and say, look, you know, the owner's doing this, this and that. 
And the response allegedly was, well, that's too bad. If you can't handle it, then you're going to have to find somewhere else to work because that's just the way it is here. So that's a, a really poor response from a leader. But second, it also makes people feel like, well, I tried to talk face to face, but nothing happened. So what am I supposed to do? Mm. Yeah, it's tough. Does that help? No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's a good point. I think really what it comes down to, it's, it's again, it's, it's up to us to uh, be mentors, to have those transformative relationships where we are giving uh, the young people that come to work for us and all people for that matter, the values and the know-how, the, 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 the right ways to handle these situations before they ever escalate to the point where they have to re- submit an, an anonymous uh report because it has gotten too far. Uh, so give the people those soft skills first before we ever have to get here, I think is the solution. And that, that you know rests on the shoulders of managers and owners, right? That's absolutely right. And we actually put that on our reporting page. We say, you know, if you're comfortable talking to a supervisor, do that first. Mm-hmm. And if your employer provides some other forum to communicate with them, use that first as well. You know, this, the uh, non, um, sorry, it's a hard word to say sometimes. Anonymity is kind of a last resort. But it's, it's I, to me, at least from what I've seen, like I said, I've, I've reviewed more than 10,000 whistleblower reports. So people really are saying um, some important things and they use the tool, but they are important ones. They're not trivial ones. Once in a while, you'll get one. But if you've already made an environment, like you've mentioned, that's uh, comfortable and people feel like they can come and talk to you, great. You know, yeah. the, the, the reporting tool is just in case, like mm. an insurance, I guess I could call it. Awesome. Great stuff. Um, I do want to have you come back in the near future in, uh, but this time to guest host a webinar, I feel like there's maybe a lot of people who are listening to this who might be dealing with situations like this on their own that maybe fall into that gray area. And we didn't quite answer their question. So maybe, uh, would you be interested in doing that coming back in the future? That'd be great. I'd love to hear some of the things people have to say and answer any questions and hopefully help as much as I can. Yeah. If you're listening to this, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantstoppable.com. Let me know what type of questions you have for Juliet. And maybe we can even get Trisha, uh, your uh, business partner, uh, to join us as well. And uh, you guys can answer those questions. And I think it'd be really cool too to get a demo of the software of the, that you created this protocol of, uh, you know, what it looks like on, the back end and the front end and how it's, how it's used. I think it would be really helpful for the listeners too. That sounds great. Thanks. No problem. So, um, we'll keep you posted on when that webinar will be. I'm going to be hitting the road pretty soon. So I don't know what state I'll be in or even what country I'll be in. So, um, stay tuned for when that webinar is going to happen and how can the listeners connect with you, Julia, if they have questions or if they're interested in leveraging, uh, your restaurant ethics platform. Well, our website is ethicsuite.com. It's suite like a hotel, so S-U-I-T-E. Um, and, of course, our reporting sites are restaurantethics.com, barethics.com, and hotelethics.com. Um, anyone can submit reports in any language at any time. And Like I said, it's confidential, it's secure, and it could be anonymous if you choose. Um, you can always email us at info at ethicsuite.com. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. And before we say goodbye, um, I just realized I never acknowledged Tipsy. Uh, my good friends over at Tipsy, past uh, sponsors of the show, and still remain um, you know, re- 
supportive of what I'm trying to do here at Restaurant Unstoppable for, for making this introduction and putting you on my radar. Uh, the timing's perfect with all that's going on in the industry right now, especially off the, the recent episode I had with Kate Edwards. So uh, it was great to connect with you. Thanks again to Tipsy. And there is no questioning. Juliet, you are unstoppable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. We'll cut it there. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Eric. Boom. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Juliet Gus, thank you so much for coming on the show and for uh, enlightening us and really help helping clarify what this process looks like, what we should be doing in our businesses to protect our employees, uh, to empower our employees, and to also protect ourselves. Like she mentioned, uh, the importance of documenting these things. You can use these documentations to defend yourself in court in the future. Uh, But I mean, for me, the big takeaway, uh, the, the, the multiple takeaways from this conversation is first, establish a culture, uh, core values, ethics, uh, ways to, to, to act ways to be and make sure that that, that those behaviors uh, that you uh, don't allow or don't support uh, clearly communicate that in uh, the other part of that is nobody will uh, show up uh, with more and more morality than you will. Uh, so be the image that you expect your employees to be and they have something to aim for also um, systems processes procedures we have protocols for so many things in the industry there should be a a protocol for something like this so your your employees can protect themselves Uh, and uh, a a thought from Warren Buffett he had mentioned that uh, he attributes much of his success to uh, anonymous employee tips Uh, so I mean, if you open that channel of communication and you give your employees a, a channel of communication to, to, for your moral employees to to let you know when things are going on that shouldn't be done. I mean, maybe they're a narc. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, maybe you want some narcs on your team. But I know it, it feels slimy sometimes, uh, you know, telling on people or whatever. But at the same time, when, think about some of these things our employees are doing. They're not being moral, upstanding people. So, uh, you know, you, sh- you should give those who have those morals, the, the, the channel of communication to, to defend, uh, the values your business stands for. So anyway, I'm being too woo woo and mushy gushy. Juliet has said that she wants to support what I'm doing here at restaurant unstoppable. She's going to give me a little kickback, uh, for every person that goes and signs up for her services. Uh, if you head over to ethics, slash restaurants, unstoppable, uh, she will, know that you came from restaurant unstoppable or just make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable uh and uh every little bit of uh support helps so if you sign up before march 30th uh she'll give you 18 months for the price of 12 months uh great tools over there and i think she said something along the lines of if your company hold on i have it written down right here um if you have if you're a business with less than 10 employees they do have a free version so if you're a small business uh, less than 10 employees, you can go subscribe uh, and leverage a free uh, subscription. So check that out. Juliet also mentioned she's going to come back and host a guest webinar. That's going to be January 23rd at 12 p.m. EST, come hang out with us. Come with your questions. There's a lot of great area out there. If you're uncertain how to handle some of these situations, uh, she's your person to talk to. She'll help you out. And plus, we're going to demo the Ethics Suite platform so you can see what that looks like. Maybe you might want to, uh, you know, you might want to leverage that tool. So um, 
Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 422. I'll have links in the show notes and scroll all the way down to the show notes page. Sign up for the email list, guys. That's the best way to stay tuned with uh, the webinars coming out with uh, an email that you with emails to every episode so you won't miss an episode uh and plus i share kind of what's going on behind the scenes over there and uh, i would love for you guys to stay in the loop so all right i think that's enough to go here and do this for one day so i'll I'll take it easy on you guys and let you go uh thank you so much for sticking around this long i love you all wouldn't be able to do it without you until next time peace out